love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So true love for God is expressed in our actions and is done for God's sake. It's more than kind words and loving feelings. True love is shown through active compassion that meets real needs in tangible ways. Such actions show others what God's love is like. And will open your hearts spiritually to consider accepting Christ as your personal Savior. Christians who truly want to reach others for Christ must realize that they need to meet people's physical needs for someone to be open to receive help for their spiritual needs. Today's Bible readings are Numbers 11, 24 through 13, 33, Mark 14, 22 through 52. Psalm 52, 1 through 9, and Proverbs 11, 1 through 3.
drive up Sigulan and the uh, son of Sori from the tribe of Manasseh, tribe of Joseph, got the son of Susi from the tribe of Dan, Amamal, son of Gamiliai, from the tribe of Asher, Situr, son of Michael, from the tribe of Naphtali, Nabai, son of Fehoshi, from the tribe of Gad, Son of Maki. These are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. Moses gave Joshua, son of Nun, the name Joshua. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev and, in, and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak. Or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of town do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. And it was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Sin. As Rehob toward Lebo Hamath. They went up to the Negev and came to Hebron, where Aiman, Shehai, Telemai, the descendant, and Telemai, the descendants of Anak lived. Hebron had been, had been built seven years before Zohan in Egypt. When they reached the valley of Ishkar, they cut off a branch, bearing a cluster of grapes. Two of them carried on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Ishkol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. At the end of forty days, they returned from exploring the land. It's numbers thirteen one through twenty four. So the Book of Numbers says the Lord instructed Moses. To send out the spies. But Deuteronomy 1 22 through 23 suggests that Moses sent the scouts at the request of the people. And as with many Old Testament historical events, the human and the divine involvement go hand in hand. The mission of these spies was to scout out the land. Sort of understand.
information to this critical chapter from the broader context of the wilderness of Peran to the more specific citation of Kadesh Barnea in the Zin wilderness. The starting point for this exploration the Zin wilderness is defined by the desert drainage basin of Nahal Zin, a subsection of the Peran wilderness. Today, the Nahal Zin is viewed as as portions of Sinai and the Negev in modern-day Israel. So the Negev in the Old Testament refers to the region south of Hebron, but north of the Zin wilderness. In modern-day Israel, Negev refers to the region from the Beersheba Arab line, southward to Iliad on the Gulf of Aqaba. So that gives you a kind of a geographical picture so far. So the scouts Moses sent explored the land from the wilderness of Sin as far as Rehab near the entrance to Hamath. This is parallel to the later description of the land as extending from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south. These parameters reverse the order and extend the distance from south of Beersheba to Rehob of Labo Hamath and southeastern Lebanon, somewhat north of Teldan. So, in other words, we're looking at a land that can that is made up of all of modern-day Israel, parts of modern-day Lebanon, and parts of modern-day Syria. So, Lepo is recounted as a city on the northern border of the Promised Land, and later the Israelite Kingdom of David and Solomon. So, we're looking at, like I said, we're looking at a territory that covers all of modern-day Israel of modern-day Lebanon and parts of modern-day Syria. So now that we know the expects the area that these men were to explore, we can turn our attention to the time of year in which this exploration takes place. And thankfully we are given several clues to help us figure out the approximate time of year for this exploration. In verse 20, we are told that this exploration occurred during the season of the first ripe grapes. This phrase puts the departure for the exploration in either August or early September, which is several months after the Israelites' departure from Mount Sinai. From Mount Sinai. So if you will recall, we're told that at the end of 40 days they returned from exploring the land. They were exploring the land for 40 days. They returned after 40 days of exploring the land. Oh, yes. So in verse 23, we are told that the scouts brought back with them ripe figs. 
suggest that the scouts had returned or were in the process of returning to the main Israelite camp in either late August or early September, which fits this 40-day window that we have for them to go and explore and return. So, that begs the question, was it possible for these Israeli scouts to go and explore the promised land and be back to the main Israelite camp within 40 days? The answer to that question is yes. Yes, it is possible. So the size of the land we're looking for is about 56,000 square miles. From north to south, it's about 140 miles. And from east to west, at its largest expanse, it's about 400 miles. Right. Get where we're going with this, right? Get where we're going with this. Get where we're going with this. So, given the fact that it is entirely possible to have average somewhere between 10 to 15 miles a day and to have covered as many as 20 miles in a single day it is it is entirely within the realm of possibility for them to have gone 40 miles north and 400 miles east and west within the time frame for them to be back to the main Israelite camp within 40 days. But all this still does not answer the most important question about this mission, and that is, why were the scouts sent in the first place? Why were the scouts sent in the first place? So the answer to that question is found in verses 18 through 20, which say, see what the land is like, and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many, what kind of land do they live in, is it good or bad, what kind of towns do they live in, are they unwalled or fortified, how is the soil, is it fertile or poor, are there trees in it or not? For you see, the scouts were sent out to bring back a report on the promised land. And that is exactly what they did. And here is how that report went. So they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole area like community at Kadesh in the desert of Piran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit, but the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. You even saw descendants of Anak there, the Amalekites. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before 
waters and sin. We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. The man who had gone up with him said, We can attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw thereof are of great size. Saw so the Nephilim there, which are the descendants of Anak. There the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. It's numbers thirteen, twenty six through thirty three. So as you can see, as you can clearly see, the report that these scouts brought back began on the positive side. The demonstration of the fruitfulness of the promised land. In fact, the phrase land of milk and honey would become the classic description of the abundance of natural flora and fauna that can be found in the land of this positive tenor, this positive report, did not last for long, because the report quickly turned to a negative assessment of the possibility of conquering the heavily fortified cities and the numerous inhabitants, which they claimed, they claimed included giants. The problem here was that the people focused on their own strength rather than the power of God. The point of later victories over the Midianites, the Amorites, and the Canaanites was to demonstrate God's strength. But this means that the power of Israel was never in her armies, because victory came with the hands of the Lord of Armies. So to make this point absolutely clear, to make it absolutely clear, let me put it to you in this way. Spies, ten scouts were spies, had two dimensions. The first dimension is that God's past faithfulness had not won the loyalty of the hearts of these ten men. So God's past faithfulness had won their loyalty. The second dimension is these ten men did not trust God in his promises concerning their future. And this lack of faith, this lack of faith, because that's what it was, a lack of faith, was the exact opposite of the confidence and hope in God that Caleb and Joshua showed. For you see, Caleb and Joshua put into practice these words spoken by Jesus thousands and thousands of years later. When he said, therefore, every, <coughs> therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Matthew seven 
sure that our lives are built on a firm foundation. The firm foundation is the unshakable faith. The unshakable faith that God will do what he has promised to do for you. Tomorrow we will see the results of not having an unshakable faith in God. Tomorrow's Bible readings are numbers 14.